you make the best barbecue amongst all your friends. And one of them says, hey, you should open a restaurant. The first couple of times you brush it off as a silly notion, but now you start to think you can pull it off. And why wouldn't you? Your barbecue is pretty good. However, you start to realize a few things as you progress forward. For starters, your moneymaker will not be the barbecue, which is a bit disheartening. Then you realize that at first it was just you cooking, but now you have to manage a kitchen staff. And seeing as that you're now selling food to the public, there are all of a sudden these health standards you must adhere to. That's right, my friend. It just got real. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Startup Nation, do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. So based on the opening monologue, you can tell we're going to talk about how to start a restaurant. A few of the episodes that is going to come in the future, Startup Nation, we'll really talk about pointed efforts to start a business in a particular industry. So the first one I really wanted to do was how to start a restaurant. As you know, a lot of businesses don't make it past that first 18 to 24 months as far as in the startup phase and the number one in that category are restaurants. So I wanted to see if I can give you some value in that regard. So that way we can put you on the path to success. So in the first segment, I'm going to share with you a story about somebody who had a restaurant that came to me for help and how that turned out. Next, we'll talk about a few of the reasons why restaurants fail. You don't want to miss that part. And then lastly, before break, we'll talk about some simple rules uh, when starting a restaurant. We'll take a break. And then after the break, we'll really get into the nuts and bolts of how to start a restaurant. And that will take us the entirety of the show. But before I get into today's content, Startup Nation, um, I want to share with you. I know I said I was going to share with you a story, but I want to share with you another story that's kind of near and dear to not just me, but the people uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. I remember a few years ago when my sister-in-law had a birthday and she was like she wanted to go to this restaurant. Right. It was this really cool restaurant she was telling us in South Memphis and I'm thinking like in South Memphis what restaurant that you know of that you want to go to on your birthday in South Memphis because South Memphis is one of those uh those neighborhoods where it needs a lot of work let's just be honest it needs a lot of work and so um she told us about this restaurant and we get there and it really is one of those places where like you don't think much of it but when we we get in there, you kind of immerse yourself in the atmosphere and you eat this incredible food. It's like vegan soul food mixed with, you know, other types of things. You really immerse yourself in the culture of the and the ambiance of the place and the food is just magnificent. Right. And so when the chef came out, he, you know, he he understood uh, that uh, it was my sister-in-law's birthday and he was like, Oh, let me do something real special for y'all, right? So he goes and whips up some bananas fosters for us 
And one thing about me, Startup Nation, is that I like bananas like themselves, but I don't like things that's like banana uh, flavored or whatever. Like I don't like banana candy. I don't like banana pudding. I like bananas themselves, but I don't like anything that's like, you know, uh, banana themed, if you will. Right. And so he whips up bananas foster. And I was like, look, I'm good. I don't want to try it. But he's like, just try it. Just try it. And honestly, it was like one of the oh, my goodness. It was one of the best tasting things I've ever had in my life. Right. It was so delicious and so wonderful. Right. And so he asked, like, does anybody want any more? And I, and I was the first to raise my like, yeah, I, I need some more of that in my life. Like, lay it on me. And so we had the Bananas Fosters. We finished that. Our, our evening was over. And uh, afterwards, we just went outside and just started talking. And the chef came out and just started talking with us as well. And so it was just one of those crazy things where it's like that level of culture and ambiance and even customer service is not something that we see too often, not just, you know, in restaurateurs, but also in just a normal or, or business in any other space. And that chef was uh, Chef Gary Williams. And for most of you who live in Memphis, you know that he recently had to close down his restaurant Deja Vu, uh, hopefully for a little while, like he said. He thinks he may be able to reopen it back on uh, back in South Memphis, uh, maybe a little bit later this year. And so I wanted to dedicate this episode to Chef Gary Williams because he's one of those institutions that we need here in Memphis. He's one of those people that we want to see succeed. We need for him to succeed. And so Chef Gary, I know you've hit some some rough patches here lately, but you know, just know that I'm rooting for you. People of, the, of uh, Startup Nation are rooting for you. Uh, people in the city of Memphis are rooting for you. Uh, would love to see you get that food truck back open if you said, you know, once the weather gets better, like you said. But uh, just know that we are all rooting for you, Chef Gary, and we cannot wait for you to reopen Deja Vu. And without further ado, Startup Nation, let's get into the content and let's take flight. Startup Nation, one of the things I used to do before we started this podcast was to try to help people uh, launch their businesses off the ground, like kind of like business consulting, if you will. Right. Honestly, I see the startup life as like free business consulting for anybody who wants to listen. Right. Uh, my good friend R.G. Brooks says that listen to the startup life uh, can work in lieu of getting uh, paying somebody 250, 300 dollars for consulting fees an hour. It's really nice of them. But uh, but we do really try to create content for that type of platform for you, Startup Nation. But anyway, I came across a young, you know, a young man who wanted to start a restaurant. OK, and he said he wanted to start a restaurant because he needed to spend more time with his family. Initially, you know, he says this and I'm like, uh, I don't think you know what really goes into starting a restaurant, this, that, and the other, right? He says, you know, will you take a meeting with me so we can talk, see how this works, this, that, and the other, right? The first thing I asked him was, you know, do you have an EIN number, right? And so he's like, uh, not yet. I got to uh, pay my last payment of $99 so this dude can get me my EIN number. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. What do you mean you have to pay your last $99? Like, he was like, yeah, this guy I know, he I paid him 300 I was paying him $300 so I can get an EIN number. And I was like, whoa, whoa, stop. You can get an EIN number for free, or, you know, irs.gov, put in some credentials. There you go. You get it right there on the spot. And so right then and there, that let me know that this gentleman needed some help. He really did need some help. And Startup Nation, you do not have to purchase an EIN number. Anybody can get an EIN number, okay? You go to irs.gov, and, you know, there should be a place up there that says get an EIN number, and then you go from there. Matter of fact, 
Uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and put that link in the show notes. So if you need to start a company, you need to get an EIN number, go ahead and put that link in the show notes for easy access. But anyway, so basically this dude pretty much scanned him out of $200. We pretty much got him an EIN number on the spot, like standing there on the spot. So I guess he had to take it up with that guy to get his money back or whatever. But anyway, and so... He told me for the theme about his restaurant, this, that, and the other. It was a sports bar. He, he wanted to really uh, kind of get it off the ground. And so I was like, cool. I was like, do you think about, uh, are you going to be serving liquor or alcohol, this, that, and the other? He's like, yeah, but somebody said I had to get a survey, this, that, and the other. I was like, cool. I tell you what, let's go ahead, set up the meeting. In the meantime, before we meet, I'll try to see uh, about getting you a survey or whatever, right? And so I went, called around to a few people. I actually talked to this guy who's going to do the survey. Now, the survey is for somebody to come out to measure if your restaurant or the place you're going to be selling liquor to is far enough away from like a church or a school or wherever the case may be, right? So that's what, when I talk about getting the survey, that's what I'm talking about because you have to have this in order to be able to sell beer and this and the other because you can't sell alcohol within a certain certain space of schools churches wherever the case may be so actually call around to this guy and i was able to negotiate reduced rate on this guy's behalf keep in mind he hasn't paid me anything this that and the other i thought it was probably a good you know uh show of value to what i can do for him to you know, help consult him or whatever in his restaurant so we went to the meeting and i talked to him and then after talking to him i was like man this guy has no idea what he's gotten himself into because for starters, he was talking about it was going to be a sports bar and grill, but he was going to sell soul food. And it's one of those things, if you're in the restaurant industry, you know that those are two different price points. You know, soul food uh, a lot of times is a lot heavier. So like the things you need for soul food, as opposed to like a sports bar, if you will, you know, uh, th those food costs are, are drastically different from one another. And so all in all, he decided not to enlist my services, which is fine. Everybody has their right to. Four months later, I saw that his restaurant, after opening, his restaurant closed. It, it reminded me that a lot of times people go into the restaurant industry and they don't understand that it really is a space of like, nickel and diamond and i don't mean like nickel and diamond in the sense of like you know people taking advantage of you i mean in the sense of like it's a razor thin margin business okay restaurants are a razor thin margin business if you're doing 20 percent in profit margins in a restaurant for year over year you're doing an astronomical job in your restaurant, right? You know, if you're doing 5%, 10%, that's good. It helps you stay afloat. But if you're doing like 20%, you're doing a phenomenal job. And I don't think people understand that in a restaurant, that's the case. In the opening monologue, I talked about how in my example, how the this fictional barbecue person, uh, barbecue making person, finds out that, they're not, that their money maker isn't going to be the barbecue. That's because the barbecue itself it really is to kind of get you in the door. That's not where most restaurants make their money, right? When you go to a Applebee's or, or Charlie's or wherever the case may be, those entrees, that's not the money maker. That's not where they make their money. They're usually, you know, during, if you did a cost benefit analysis, you know, you would come out pretty much even uh, if you only sold those uh, those items, right? For the most part, right? The money 
is made from your alcohol, is made from your desserts, is made from your appetizers. Why is that? Because those items are very cheap to make and you can make them on a very large scale. We talk about this startup nation all the time on this show about the economies of scale. If you spread the cost out over a, a, a number of items, you reduce the cost for each additional item. That's why I chose for the cover art, if you're listening to this via SoundCloud, that's why I chose the cover art as a, a pizza because pizza has amazing margins. It, it, it costs you, you know, I'm not gonna say next to nothing, but it's very cheap to make pizza on a very large scale because all the items you need are very cheap to get from the produce to the dough to the cheese and everything else. The cheese probably be the most expensive thing, but like the produce and everything else and you know and the and the meat even if you strategically scatter the meat this and the other is very cheap. That's one of the reasons why restaurant businesses in the startup phase are so critical and so important to make sure you have proper checks and balances, making sure you understand the profit margins because it's a razor thin business and not everybody understands that. And unfortunately, this young man did not understand that. And I really wish that his story could have ended on a positive note, but unfortunately, that's what happened, Startup Nation. And, you know, it's so razor thin that like my friend, Chef Gary, I believe that Chef Gary ran his restaurant right. I think he had the right food, the right ambiance, the right culture, the customer service. Oh, my goodness. Every time you go, if you go to Deja Vu, people who've been to Deja Vu before, when you go to Deja Vu, you know, every time you go, Chef Gary is going to come out if he's there, of course. He's going to come out like, hey, how's the food? How's you, how, you know, how's this, that and the other? And me and my family would go in so much. He would ask, like, you know, if I'm by myself, how's the wife doing? How's the daughter doing? How's the family doing? How's the business going? Because that's the type of person he is. And it's just one of those things that goes to show that it's a razor thin margin that when things slow down. And that's what Chef Gary talked about in a in a uh, commercial appeal piece of why he had to shut down. It's just that it's just got slow. It just got unexpectedly slow for him. And so those bills and those payroll taxes and those other taxes and rent space or wherever the case may be and all his expenses, they don't stop. And so a little thing like a like a slowdown can really affect the restaurant. And so it's really important that more and more uh, aspiring restaurateurs understand this this issue. Right. Because I really would love to see more and more people who have restaurant ideas to be successful because a lot of people make great dishes and they make great food. But unfortunately, when it comes to the restaurant business, that's kind of where things fall apart. So Startup Nation, why do most restaurants fail? There's a myriad of different reasons, but I want to share some of them with you. So that way, when you start your restaurant, maybe you don't make the same mistake. A lot of times, uh, first and foremost, is because the owner themselves are just very inexperienced. Like I said, when you when you're cooking your dish and you know your dish like the back of your hand, it's the most magnificent, wonderful thing that people have put in their mouth. Sometimes I, I, I once again, I'm thinking about when I put that banana faucet in my mouth. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is heaven in a spoon. But a lot of times we don't think about things like payroll taxes. We don't think about kitchen staff. We don't think about opening and closing procedures. We don't think about accounting purposes. We don't think about, unfortunately, the marketing, if you will, right? And so a restaurateur oftentimes is just not very experienced in running the business and that's okay. And so we're going to talk about in the in the second half of the show, some of the things to kind of mitigate that type of uh, failing in uh, starting a restaurant, of course. Uh, another reason, and I, and I can't believe this, 
a lot of times the the owner just doesn't work. They don't put in the effort, right? Like my the guy I was trying to help with his restaurant, he thought that he was going to have more time running a restaurant. And that is simply not true. Running a restaurant, there's so many moving parts that you have to bust your ass every single day in that restaurant. There's too many moving parts. There's too many things that can go awry. And when you're dealing with the public and customers and food, oh my goodness, you got to have your, there's one thing to have boots on the ground and there's a whole nother thing to have your boots on the ground. And when you're the restaurant owner, you got to have your boots on the ground because you need to understand your own process. You need to understand how customers are coming into your establishment, what they're thinking about, what are the things that they like, you know, got to get that feedback from them as well. So unfortunately, we have too many people who start restaurants and just think the restaurant is going to run themselves. Now, if you daddy deep pockets and you hire all the people in place from the chef to the, you know, the restaurant manager and the cooks and the bartenders and the servers and the hostess and hostess or whatever the case may be, maybe so. But 99% of you Startup Nation ain't in that place. So 99% of you need to work in that restaurant. Like I said, you have to have your boots on the ground in order for your restaurant to work. Another thing, and this is, you know, this is most people's thing, is that they don't have the proper accounting in place, right? Once again, when you're talking about a razor margin uh, business, and you're talking about so many moving parts and you're talking about this nickel and dime type of dynamic in a business, your accounting needs to be on point. Now, I don't think you necessarily have to hire an accountant, right? It would be wise that you do. But the thing is, POS systems or point of sale systems are so sophisticated these days from your your square to your uh, your PayPal, and there's a myriad of them out there. There's so many of them. I think I'll have a link in the uh, show notes for you, Startup Nation, to give you an idea of the point the point of sale systems that are out there. But there are so many out there to like one touch of a button, they can do your accounting for you, and they usually do it in real time. Meaning that like once somebody buys a, a steak or entree in your business, that computer is automatically updated when you ring them up. And so a lot of times as entrepreneurs, and I understand, you're so worried about the upfront cost because you want to get the $30 point of sale system as opposed to the $900 point of sale system, even though the $900 point of sale system will not only pay for itself over the long term, it will save you headache because now it does all your accounting, all your um, your customer rewards things because those those advanced point of sale systems have those type of things, right? Where you have customer rewards, you can have buy one, get one free coupons or whatever the case may be. So, but I don't want to diverge from the accounting part, but having those proper accounting systems is so important. You need cash flow to pay your staff and the bills. You need to know how you're generating profits and what the profit margin is. Because let's say you're ready, your restaurant is doing well and you need to scale, but you need to go to the bank and get that business loan. They're going to want to see those financials. And it's real easy to just go ahead, hit that one button and your financials just pop up like that. Or you're fretting in the middle of the night trying to figure out how to do it yourself. Like I said, you could hire an accountant and that will help you out as well. But if you're not wanting to like hire an accountant, think about spending a little bit extra money on that point of sale system or make sure you keep very good records of your books yourself. Another reason why restaurants fail startup nation is because you overspend before you even open the doors. 
Like, I get it. You're trying to differentiate yourself from the other restaurants in your space, in your industry, in your in your zip code, in your locale, right? But do you really need that plush couch in the middle of your restaurant? Do you really need the, you know, the palm trees in the front of your restaurant? I mean, I get it. Like, if you're trying to get to that point later on, that's fine. But do you really need that at first? Like, is that really important? I don't think so. And so, once again, and I cannot hammer this point enough, restaurants, it's a razor-thin margin business. So every nickel and dime needs to be accounted for. And you don't want to overspend before you even open the doors initially. Another thing that just absolutely destroys restaurants in the, in the beginning phase is terrible customer service. I can't tell you how many times I have seen not just customer service from a standpoint of like from the uh, employees of the restaurant to the customers, but also how the upper management or the senior staff of that restaurant treat the employees, right? Because if you're treating them like that, they're just going to feel like either it's going to roll downhill and get to the customer or that supervisor staff is going to talk to you any kind of way as well. You don't want that in a business. Look, I understand that we live with this cliche that the customer is always right. Here's the thing. The customer is not always right. The thing is, you're supposed to make the customer think that they're always right. What I mean by that is that you're supposed to let the customer know. And when, you know, when there's an issue that arises, you're always supposed to accept responsibility. I am not saying that the customer has every right to berate you, talk to you out of all kind of crazy, call you out of name. That's not what I'm saying. The customer is not always right, but you're supposed to take on the responsibility as if they are. So if there's an issue where the ambiance isn't right, you take responsibility for that. If there's an issue where the the order did not come out on time, you take responsibility for that. If there's an issue where uh, for you, you feel like the menu is very self-explanatory and for them that, you know, it's very confusing and that's the first time that's ever happened, you take responsibility for that. So when we hear the customer's always right, it's not that they're technically always right. It's just that you're supposed to put them in a place that they're always right. You're supposed to put them in a headspace that they're always right. So you take on that responsibility as the customer service agent, right? So make sure that you give great customer service and make sure that it's consistent. You cannot treat that customer um, one way and then treat them a totally different way when they come two weeks later. Or you can't treat customer A one way and treat customer B a totally different way. That's two different ways of being inconsistent, okay? You don't want to do that because the thing is with restaurants, they're they're the main ones who get like these terrible Yelp reviews because of mainly because of customer service. You don't want to be that restaurant startup nation. Remember that. Another thing, and this is self-explanatory, make sure your food tastes good. Make sure your food tastes good. There are plenty of times where um, you go to a restaurant, you've heard great things about it, and then for some reason, that chef or that cook does something, you know, trying to be a little extra with the with the recipe or whatever. And they do something a little different. No, 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 no. You want to know why Pizza Hut and, and Domino's and KFC and this and the other, all those successful restaurants, why they're still here? Because they know that, you know, let's take Pizza Hut, for instance. They know that the same pizza in Seattle tastes the same way in Miami consistency okay you must be consistent and you also must stick to the recipe like look if you're a homegrown mom and pop restaurant and you've had this restaurant 
this uh this recipe in your head, you need to write it down. Write the recipe down so everybody knows what that is. Look, I know it's been safeguarded. I know it's been a family secret for you know for years and years and years. But we're not in the family secret business. We're in the restaurant business. So make sure you write down the recipe so everybody knows what the recipe is and know and not everybody's like putting their own you know extraness on it or their own stink on it, if you will. Right. So. Make sure the food tastes good. Make sure it tastes good. Make sure it's consistent at all times. And lastly, Startup Nation, you want to make sure that you're doing the marketing. Now, I know that sounds self-explanatory, but it's one of those things where you get so tied into all the other things that go into the restaurant, you forget about the marketing, okay? Social media is a platform for you. Flyers are a platform for you. Yelp reviews are also a great marketing tool. Also, if you have like contests or, or uh, you know, you give out coupons or uh, what's the thing that people, oh, they all like when you have people who come into your to your restaurant and you put the business card in the fishbowl or like a drawing for a free lunch or something like that, that's all marketing. That's all marketing. So you got to remember to do those things, Startup Nation. And so there's a few other things that I didn't mention. So I'm going to have that in the additional resources section of the show notes so that way you can look at other reasons why small businesses uh, not small businesses but restaurants in particular fail so that way you won't make those same mistakes another thing startup nation before we go to break you know there's a few rules you should adhere to when starting a restaurant from servers to restaurant decorum the whole nine yards right uh one of the things you need to do uh, when you're training your staff or whatever is to make sure kids eat immediately okay I can't tell you how many times when you go into a restaurant and people with with kids or whatever, they go into the restaurant and they're like and that kid is extremely hungry, like really hungry. Make sure that you bring out some bread, bring out some crackers, bring out something so that way it can kind of hold the kid over until the meal actually comes. Another thing, Startup Nation, if you're going to open a restaurant is to make sure that the plate isn't hot or at the very least, make sure you warn the parent that the plate is hot. There's too many times where we have kids burning themselves on hot plates and hot food because the server did not let them know that their food is hot and that the plate is hot. Kids, when you're talking about like, you know, 12 and under, they're still trying to have developing brains. All right. So they're not going to automatically understand that the food is hot. That's why you tell the parent, you let them know. Also, and this is a big one, Startup Nation, and I don't even know why we have to talk about this. Do not bring out any adults food before the kids food okay i don't know why anybody would think that's okay but you want to see a kid go ape shit make sure you bring out the parents food before the the kids food comes out you'll put that parent in an unbearable situation especially if they're super hungry make sure you bring the kids food out first or if the food is ready uh the kids food is is not ready when the parents food is ready just bring them out at the same time just bring them out at the same time that's a customer service issue okay and that's attention to detail issue that you're paying attention to the people at the table and you're not just serving androids at a table right also you don't want to like clear dishes before somebody is finished with them you you don't want to like take plates away and have your staff take plates away and cups away drinking before they're ready because the thing is a lot of times people have meetings in restaurants or they're having a family get together in a restaurant or or what i'm saying is they're conversing and so they're probably just taking a long pause before they finish up or start because you know resume back to eating 
And what you don't want to have is like, you know, that person's eating. You take their plate away because you think they're they're finished. And all of a sudden, like, where the hell is my food? Right. Or where the hell is my drink? Make sure at the very least, if you're going to you, you talk to that person, like, hey, are, you know, are you finished with your meal? You know, can I take this for you? No. OK, that's cool, too. Also, make sure you train your servers to be be engaged and be attentive, but not annoying. You don't want them. Are you finished yet? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Like, I get it. I love the the engagement piece of trying to make sure everybody's OK. But after a while, it just ruins the customer's ambiance. It ruins the customers, ruining them for having a good time. And you want them to have a good time in your restaurant, okay? Also, make sure if you're if you, something is supposed to be sugar-free, make sure it's sugar-free. Because you don't have no idea if somebody is, is, is having an issue with diabetes or they having an issue with whatever the case may be. Or they're just trying to lose weight or whatever, right? You don't want to mix things up. You know, if you're going to give them Diet Coke, make sure it's Diet Coke. And... Don't say, hey, yeah, we got Diet Coke, but just give them regular Coke. You don't want to do that. Also, you don't want to make comments, right? Like, look, if somebody overeats or they're kind of like heavyset or whatever, and they get the humongous quadruple stack burger, don't make comments. That ain't that ain't your place. Your, your job, provide a great customer experience, give great customer service, bring the food out while it's hot, you know, make sure they're taken care of, the drinks filled, but it ain't your place to be making you no know, commentary that that's not what you get paid for. That is not what you're there to do, because unfortunately, we have too many servers and people getting a little bit too comfortable with the customer. Right. Like nobody asked you for that, even if it, even if they are eating too much, that's not for you to say. That's not your place, okay? So we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the nuts and bolts step-by-step process of opening a restaurant. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owls section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so let's get into the step-by-step nuts and bolts of starting a restaurant the first thing you want to do and I know Startup Nation in the past, I say like you have a business plan or not really have a business plan. It's not really required. In this instance, it's not required either. But I would very much, very much encourage you to have a business plan when starting a restaurant. Because the thing is, you're going to need a lot of capital. You're going to need a lot of startup capital. OK. And when you go to potential investors or bank, 
they're going to want to see a business plan with projected financials. Okay, those projected financials like uh, P&L, balance sheet, you know, things of that nature. They want to see that forward guidance from one year, three year, five years and so on and so on. Right. Usually just one year, three year, five years. Right. So you want to have a business plan in place because the thing is, it forces you to think about the business. It forces you to think about the restaurant. It forces you to think about the future of the restaurant and it it forces you to make sure you have all your uh, I's dotted, T's crossed, make sure you really circle the wagon on everything that is involved when opening a restaurant. Because like I said, it's really one of those industries that like it's a lot of moving parts. And so you want to make sure you catch all those moving parts as soon as possible. Okay, so write a business plan okay the next thing you want to do is think about a food concept right you know are you going to be selling barbecue like in the opening monologue is it seafood is it steak is it casual dining is it ethnic food is it pizza is it sandwiches like a deli or is it a bakery right Uh, you really want to think about that you want to think about that target audience what they're looking for but also what differentiates you from your competition so really dive into and really think about that food concept started mention before you open those Uh, doors or when you're starting those beginning phases of starting a restaurant and like I said you definitely want to think about what the competitor is often as real you really want to make sure you're differentiating from your competition so that way it gives you a leg up out of the door when you have your grand opening also you want to consider the ambiance you want to think about the lighting you want to think about if you're going to have live music and we'll talk about that a little bit later you want to think about the type of dishware and the plates and bowls or whatever you use you want to use the glassware, right? You want to think about that, right? Like you definitely don't want to have like a a, a fine dining uh, establishment and you got plastic cups. Like that probably ain't a good look. Startup nation. You probably want to have like glassware, or whatever, right? And you want to make sure that like you, once again, like with the music or whatever, if you're going to have like a fine dining experience, maybe you don't want your Gotti blasting in the background. Like that's probably not the good look. Right. So make sure you definitely consider the correct ambiance. You also want to think about your serving style. Like the thing is like the, the hot thing in restaurants now are, is this thing called fast casual. So this is like your Chipotle. This is kind of like uh, your subway, which has been on the block from time to time. Uh, for a while, I mean, but like your fast casual really is the kind of what's um, very popular these days. And started mentioning going back to the the food concept really quickly. I forgot to put this point. Also, you want to think about if you want to go vegetarian or vegan, all natural. That those buzzwords are all the rage. Locally sourced. You want to make sure you know you kind of throw that into your food concept uh, thinking because those all natural locally sourced, you know, vegan, vegetarian, those are buzzwords these days with the new millennial uh, connoisseur. And so you want to make sure that you keep that in mind as well. But back to the serving style, you want to think about uh, three different type of styles specifically. Quick service, which is like your fast food, McDonald's, Burger King, this and the other. And then you have your mid-scale, right? Your mid-scale is like your Ruby Tuesdays, or like your Applebee's or or Charlie's or something like that, right? Like those are your mid-scale type of restaurants. It's like a halfway between your upscale and your fast food, right? You know, it's very family-oriented, this, that, and the other. And then, you know, you want to go with, consider if you want to go with the upscale, white table linen cloth type of restaurant, right? Where you have very ostentatious uh, plate presentations. You have like maybe 
maybe dim lighting, if you will. Maybe you have like servers and waiters who have white gloves or something. I don't know, whatever fits your fancy. But you really want to have a very thematic way about your restaurant throughout from the time they come in the door from the time they leave. Right. Maybe you have mints at the door, whatever the case may be. But those are typically the three type of scale restaurants that you want to consider. Now, remember, Startup Nation, that like, you know, if you want upscale, you're going to pay upscale costs or whatever, right? Like those white table linen cloths, they ain't cheap. And that glassware is not cheap as opposed to, you know, a fast food restaurant where you can give them burger and fries in a basket and they're not going to think twice about it because they're near where they came from, right? Don't have fries in a basket at an upscale restaurant. You know, or on the flip side, you may not want to have white table, you know, white linen tablecloths at a fast food restaurant. Now, you could do every so often, like if, you know, at White Castle, how I think on Valentine's Day, they break out the red tablecloths for Valentine's Day. Uh, You know, that's something really a marketing tool is not really a way of life for White Castle, but it's a great marketing tool to get people in the door. But when you're thinking about opening your restaurant and in your business plan, you want to make sure you relay if you're going to be quick service mid scale or you're a higher upscale type of restaurant. And I kind of mentioned this in the last part, research the cost. Like I said, an upscale restaurant is going to cost you, right? And maybe you want to start mid-scale and then upgrade to upscale later, and that's fine. But the thing is, like, that stuff costs money, right? And you're talking about, like, executive chefs and sous chefs. You're talking about these very special, like, you know, menu items and this and the other. So you want make sure you want to research the cost before you go into uh, starting and opening your restaurant. Now, another thing you want to consider, Startup Nation, is that you can't just open a restaurant anywhere. So you need to be mindful of the location and proper zoning. For example, you can't have a restaurant in a residential area. Like that's like like you can't do that, right? And that's another reason why you have surveyors come out not only for Uh, If you can serve alcohol within a certain radius, but also you're in a proper neighborhood or in a proper place in order to have that restaurant. Right. In a more commercial space where there's a lot of businesses around or there's other restaurants around as well. But you can't have one in a residential area. So you want to be mindful of that and get a surveyor. Another thing started mentioning that you want to be mindful of is that you got to clean the place according to. Uh, federal, state, and local laws, right? So, because like I said, now we're in the food service, serving food to the public space and to the public sector. So now, you know, the way you clean your house is something different than the way you clean your restaurant. Like there's certain codes, there's certain things that have to be clean. Like you can't have, uh, you know, mold. No, I go without saying, you can't have mold and stuff underneath the refrigerator. Like that's a no-no. Like you can't have, uh, open containers in certain places. You got to have commercial grade um, restaurant equipment in your restaurant. But I'll get to that a little bit later to maybe kind of help you out with that. But like I said, when you're serving food to the public space, you really have to be mindful of those cleaning standards. One of the ways to do this is to have like proper opening and closing procedures, right? So you understand like you have certain staff who are going to clean the restaurant, this, that, and the other. So when you come in, if if it's you and a, a couple of your staff members, you have opening procedures where you clean this, you make sure this is that temperature, you make sure this is that temperature, and you make sure 
the stock room is clean. You make sure the kitchen is clean. You make sure the the eating dining area is clean as well. And then at the end of the day, you have closing procedures. And these closing and opening procedures can look however you want it to look. And I think I may include like a sample opening closing procedures in the show up startup nation. So that way you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But you want to have these aspects in your business in order to be successful. This is those checks and balances that you need to have with your restaurant. So be mindful of that as you continue forward. Another thing is that you have to register the business. Even if you want to be a sole proprietor or whatever, uh, you have to register the business if you want to be a restaurant. Because the thing is, that has to be in a place that's showing for people to see when they walk in. Like it has to be in a very conspicuous place. And so there's, um, you go to your city or county office to apply for this, right? You Well, you first, if you're a sole proprietor, you got to have a fictitious name. So you have to apply for a fictitious name. But if you're an LLC, then you just use that name and use those credentials and go from there to get your uh, business license. But either way, you got to have that because you have to have it in a place where it's open to the public for them to see. And also Startup Nation, you know, there's comes to restaurants, there's other health permits and liquor licenses. We talked about that. In order to get a liquor license, you got to have a surveyor to make sure you're not serving alcohol within certain feet or meters, wherever you live or whatever, that you're not serving alcohol within a certain, certain space uh, of like churches, schools, things of that nature. But there's also health code standards you need to adhere to as well. One of the good things to do is to make sure you get the county health department in place so they can expect, so they can tell you what to look for. They're not the they're not the bad guys. They're really there to help not just you and your business, but to help, you know, they have an obligation to help the public as well to make sure that they're eating at an establishment or getting food from an establishment that is safe for them to consume. And so, like I said, they're not the boogeyman. They're not out to get you. They're there to help you, right? Now, granted, I get it. When you're talking about government officials, some of them can be assholes, and I understand. But for the most part, you need to adhere to those standards because, like I said, if you're in the food service, you need to care about the people that you're serving your food to. And you don't want them to get sick, and you don't want anything bad to happen to them, right? So make sure you get the health inspection. Make sure you get that. Don't skip around those calls. That's not one of those things where you want to like, nah I'll, nah, I'll be good for this month. No, 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 no. You want to make sure you get that right. Because like I said, you don't want a, a health inspector to come in and shut you down because they will shut you down. And I don't mean like shut you down like in three days you close. They will shut you down immediately. Like we have seen people be in mid, in mid bite and they shut down a restaurant right then and there. So you don't want to be, you don't want to do that style animation. Make sure you get, your your restaurant up to code and that is always running up to code another thing startup nation is that um if you're deciding to play music or have a live band uh in your restaurant and i think it really one of those things where it can create a really nice ambiance and culture uh, especially for like an upscale type of restaurant right you know i don't know if you want that in a fast food or mid-scale but hey it's your restaurant you do what you want to do right but if you're going to have music play, you know, even if it's through your iPod, you have to get a music license, uh, the proper music licensing in order to do that. You can't just play music in a restaurant and just think we're good. Like you can't do that. Even if you paid your dollar twenty nine on iTunes in order to play that restaurant, if you're going to play it in the area, you have to play. You have to pay for that licensing or whatever. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to get hit with a cease and desist 
you know, because you're playing improper music, right? Even if you hire a live band, you know, and they're going to do cover art. Now, if it's their original music, then that's fine. You, they can play their original music if there's something they wrote and this, that, and the other, right? But if they're like a cover band or something like that, and they're playing like the, you know, they're like a Eagles, you know, cover band or like a Salt and Pepper cover band or whatever the case may be, then you need to get that music license in order to be compliant because once again, you're a startup restaurant, startup nation, so you don't want to get sued or at the very least get hit with a cease and desist, right? Because even that is still embarrassing, right? So be mindful of that. We've seen many people be in trouble for that as well. Now, when it comes to restaurants, there's a lot of different uh, certifications and licenses you got to use, but usually there's like a local restaurant association or administration that can help you with all that. Their their sole purpose is to make sure restaurants succeed. So that's a resource to you, Startup Nation, if you're looking to open a restaurant. You know, I'm pretty sure you, it's a simple Google search away. Like if you're in Duval County, Jacksonville, and you're trying to open a restaurant, I'm pretty sure there's like a Duval Restaurant Association or like here in Memphis, there's a Shelby County Restaurant Association, but they're, they're advocates for you. Their, their sole purpose is to make sure you're successful. And also, Startup Nation, while I'm thinking about it, there are, you know, just like you have like you can rent an apartment or rent an office space or whatever the case may be, you can rent or lease commercial kitchens, right? Now, if you're a, pla a, a place where there's a commercial kitchen and there's a dining room for people to eat, that works. Or if you're just looking for a commercial kitchen because you're going to mass produce cookies or something, you're going to mass produce bread or mass produce honey buns, I don't know. But like there for the restaurant industry, for those of you trying to start restaurants, there are commercial commercial kitchens that you can rent. Most of them are fairly reasonable, but they have the proper stove. They have a proper refrigeration. They have the proper plumbing for water and this, that, and the other, right? So be mindful of that. You know, when you're thinking about opening a restaurant, look into not only the restaurant association in your area, but also possible commercial kitchens that could be helpful for you as well. One of the top things when it comes to trying to get a restaurant open or any business that matter is securing funding. Like that's that's the part, that's the part that kind of gets everybody, right? And so once again, you want to start with that business plan, right? You definitely want to start with that business plan, but also look into whatever resources that you have as well. Do we have a 401k? Do we have any real estate investments that we currently have? Do we have any savings that we may have? Is there, once again, we're entrepreneurs, so you got to think about if you have a house, maybe it's time to think about that home equity line of credit to pull some equity out of the home. Look, I know it's scary. I know that's scary. But if you really believe in what you can do and start that restaurant off, you know, it's something to consider. And the thing is, if you, if you li listen to or look at Shark Tank or whatever, Mr. Wonderful, um, a, a really good investor is going to ask how much skin you have in the game before you go and ask them for their money. If they hear that you're willing to do a home equity line of credit, believe it or not, they'll be more willing to lend you even more money than you would than they would if they said, nah, I thought about a home equity line of credit, but like, nah, I don't do that. I mean, that's like, that's my house. Because the thing is, they want to see how much skin you have in the game. So if you show them that, that shows like, okay, they're willing to put up their primary residence to make sure this works. They must believe in it. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take a shot on them. Like I said, when you think about funding, you want to think about some of your own resources as well. Now, you could go to a commercial bank, but nine times out of 10, that ain't going to work in this day and age, especially after post-2008 and the financial crisis. People start to kind of 
tighten the way they lend money to people. And I understand that. But also, uh, it, it's almost like a catch-22, right? Because a lot of times you go to a commercial bank, and it's like, I need two years of tax returns, and each tax return needs to show $100,000 in revenue each year, each tax year, right? And you're like, well, shit, I need the, the 100000 I'm trying to borrow for you so I can get to that point, right? And so it, it's one of those things where it's like you really got to have a airtight business plan with airtight financials to even get a conversation with a commercial bank. The beauty of that issue with the commercial bank, however, is that now you're starting to see a whole bunch of other avenues for funding, not just a, a venture cap or something like that, but you have places like cabbage.com and ondeck.com. And uh, you also have crowdsourcing for funding for your small business. And I think I'll, I'll go ahead and put some of those resources in the show notes as well to give you an idea of other additional places for funding as well. And also, um, you know, if you don't feel too uh, bad about it or too weird about it, ask family and friends for funding. Because the thing is, you may have an uncle or you know, or an aunt or a grandma or a mom or dad that may have, you know, they're a little bit more established than you are because, you know, they've they've spent some time, you know, doing smart investing or whatever. They may have some money they may want to pump into your business and startup, right? Now, when you're dealing with family and friends, you want to make sure it is a complete business transaction. That is a business relationship. Unfortunately, we have too many times where things get kind of murky between friends and family. So make sure you have everything on paper. I like, you know, I, I, I get it. That's your mom. But you want to make sure that she understands like this is the issue with the business. This is the way we're moving forward. We need to have everything on paper. And the thing is, you may find that, you know, some people want to be uh, silent partners. And that's great. Right. They let you run the business. But unfortunately, if you don't have that stuff on paper, a lot of times people want to come in like you should do this in the business. They're doing that in, in their restaurant. You should do this in your restaurant. So be mindful of that style of nation. Like make sure you have everything on paper that like you have control of this. If you want to give away some equity, make sure that it's stated in the, in the contract that, you know, for uh, $10,000, I'm willing to give you 20% of equity in the restaurant and just make sure all those type of things are negotiated and put in paper up front so that way there's no room for ambiguity when it comes to ownership and responsibility another thing startup nation is to take advantage of government programs right a lot of times you have the small business administration and the sba they have loans as well right so i think i'm gonna drop those in the show notes as well for easy access and if you're a veteran uh, there may be some additional resources that you can use as well. Go to the VA office. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can probably use uh, maybe Voc Rehab uh, as an option. Don't quote me on that because I, I am a veteran, but I do not work in the VA. So Voc Rehab, uh, I think it's Chapter 35, I believe. Uh, there may be an option for you for my Startup Nation veterans in order to get some additional funding uh, for your restaurant as well. Now, when it comes to opening a restaurant, one of the things you do need is supply. So one of the, what's the main thing you need? You need great food vendors, right? So make sure you um, get with some vendors about produce, get with some vendors about meat, get with some vendors about, you know, uh, bread, if you will, right? And keep in mind, if you can, try to go with locally sourced people, you know, farms and whatever from around your general area, because that's kind of a buzzword now. People like to hear that you're supporting local local farms, that you're supporting, uh, you know, organic 
uh, farms or organic, you know, ways of preparing your food or whatever the case may be. Honestly, and I hate to say this, you can honestly just throw natural or all natural organic on anything these days and people will buy it. Because like me and my wife, we make fun of Wendy's all the time. Not that Wendy's is not a reputable company, but we make fun of Wendy's all the time. And they say all natural cut fries. Like what the hell is a natural cut? Right. Are you? Because you're not saying the potato is, is natural or organic. You're saying the way it's cut is natural, right? Because the thing is, like, you'll come to know in the food industry that, like, legally, they can't say certain things. They can't say certain things on packaging. For example, I remember a few years back when DiGiorno had, like, these pizzas with, like, chicken, right? You know, they, they spelled, like, chicken and you know, pizza and wings, but they spell wings W-Y-N-G-Z. Right. As opposed to W.I.N.G.S. That's because technically that wasn't chicken. Right. Because you can't legally say that is chicken when it ain't chicken. And I, and I think they do that with cheese as well, where uh, most of the time it says American singles and it says cheese product because it's not really cheese. Right. It's American singles. So, uh, no, that's just one of those things to be mindful of Startup Nation when you're talking about your food and everything. I feel like I've kind of went on a bit rant, but. That's neither here nor there. Let me get back to it. Like I said, make sure you get in touch with local producers. They may be able to cut you a deal because, not necessarily cut you a deal, but it's really good to support local, right? No, no matter if you're, uh, you know, in the county, in the city, where the case may be, it's always important to support local. And if you're going to um, sell alcohol and beer, whatever the case may be, also see who's who's brewing locally, right? Microbreweries, whatever the case may be. That's also a hot thing where people want to, kind of try the lo the local brew the local thing here or whatever right so uh be mindful of that about you no know, looking out for local producers with your food with your beer and everything else baby but also while you're doing it make sure you shop around because you want to make sure you get the best pricing possible in order to cut costs right so what i would advise you to do is like go around Get a get a uh, you know a few quotes if you will based on like hey I need I don't know a thousand onions a month I don't know if you need that many but if you need like a thousand onions a month take that quote from that person and go to another like hey this person said they can give me a thousand onions a month for I don't know three hundred dollars what can you do well I get a thousand onions a month for two hundred fifty dollars right and so now you're using the first invoice or quote if you will as a and you're leveraging that as a negotiating tactic for the next purpose so that way you can get the best price possible don't be mind don't be afraid to negotiate and shop around different prices because you're trying to make sure you get the best price point possible but at the same time make sure like we say on startup nation on the startup life all the time life is about balance so just because it's the best price doesn't necessarily mean it's the best product so be mindful make sure you're getting a quality product for your money now then you know the next thing you want to do is you know when gathering supplies and i'm not saying that people are supplies but it's just one of those things where it kind of goes with you know make sure you have all the assets in place for your restaurant to be successful is to hire employees you want to make sure you hire not just employees, but you want to hire the right, right employees, right? For example, like the, one of the main things you need in a restaurant is a restaurant manager. Because the thing is, maybe you have an excellent barbecue sandwich and it's so tasty and so succulent and so, you know, so juicy or whatever, right? But you don't know how to manage a kitchen staff and you don't know how to deal with customer complaints and you don't know how to, you know, make sure 
that you're, you know, selling your appetizer with a 80% margin, right? Or your, your dessert with a 70% margin, right? You need to be mindful of that. A restaurant manager is somebody who can help you with that. Usually you should probably get a restaurant manager who's been in the restaurant industry for a couple of years, right? Maybe in, you know, hopefully in a very diverse, you know, across the restaurant space, like maybe they've done some time in fast food. Maybe they've done a little bit of time in upscale. Maybe they've done a little bit of time in mid-scale. But you want them to have a very diverse uh, as as much as possible, very diverse work background, right? But they need to be a taskmaster, right? They're the ones who are going to keep the restaurant humming like a machine, right? So make sure you hire a really good restaurant manager. Also, you got to hire cooks. Got to Somebody got to make the food, right? Like, you know, I mean, there are some restaurants who make everything themselves and I get it, but, you know, and, and I get it for even for cost purposes, right? But eventually you want to hire some cooks. So make sure people understand not just health standards and this that, and the other so you know experience is, is key here but also that they get to your cooking style they understand your theme they understand what you're going for which means you're gonna have you may have to share the recipe with them if it's one of those family secrets right like look i get it however you're not in this family secret business you're in the restaurant business so if you want the restaurant to succeed you need to re you need to be able to duplicate with other people that process and what that that item or what those items, food items, are supposed to taste like. Now, goes without saying, you want to hire servers, okay? Your server is the face of your restaurant. It's not you. It's not the restaurant manager. It's not even the cook. It is the server. Why is why are they the face of your restaurant? Because that's the who the customer sees primarily most of the time while they're there. Now, granted, they're going to see the host and the hostess or whatever, right? And you could make the argument that they're the face of the restaurant and not get it. But it really is the serve because they're the one who's handing you the food. They're the one who's taking the orders. They're the ones who's kind of giving you your drink order. They're the ones who are really making sure that the customer experience is A1, right? So make sure you hire a server who is who is you know good with people, who is not shy. They're you know not necessarily an extrovert, but they need to be able to kind of turn it on when need be, right? They need to be able to handle customer complaints. A good server is somebody who can handle customer complaints without the man, restaurant manager or even the owner ever even knowing about it. So make sure you you're very detailed and you're very focused when you're interviewing your service for your restaurant. The next piece, when you're trying to uh, open your restaurant, you need to target your you need to have your target audience in mind, right? You need to make sure you get people in the door because if ain't nobody coming to the door, nobody's ordering food, nobody's ordering food, you ain't making money. If you ain't making money, well you close the restaurant, right? So be mindful of your target market. Are you catering to teens and, and adults, people, you know, young adults, right? These people usually don't have a whole bunch of money. You know, college students are always looking for a value when they go out to eat. Maybe the fast food quick service model is for them, right? But, you know, let's say you have a family with children order, right? You know, they have like mom, dad, two, three kids, whatever the case may be then your your mid mid scale kind of fast not fa maybe fast casual but not really but your mid scale type of restaurant is something that they're going to go for right and they need to have one of those things where you have a regular menu and a kids menu right because you know and, and look don't be afraid to have like have a kids menu like coloring things is that yeah this keeps the kid occupied while their food is being made you know like i said keep in mind what i said earlier about the kid comes in super hungry then you want to have something that's keeping them occupied while they're waiting for their food. Be mindful of that. 
And then your empty nesters, people who have, you know, those same kids have grown up and they've moved out of the house and they've moved into those kids that moved into that young adult category. So you'll be the fast food restaurants will be serving them. But the empty nesters are where it's just mom and dad and they like to have a night on the town. This and the other, they're probably going to have deeper pockets as well. So you want to have, you know, this is your target audience for them is going to have like that upscale model, your Jay Alexander's, your Houston's or whatever kind of upscale type of, you know, restaurant is that target audience. Okay. So be mindful of that. But also, like I said, be mindful of the vegetarians and the vegans because that's becoming, you know, all natural, all organic, you know, locally sourced. That's coming trendy buzzwords in restaurant uh, these days. So be mindful of that. And also, you know, uh, when you open the doors now, granted, you want to have a, a grand opening, right? But sometimes you don't always have the, like, that doesn't have to be the first day of business, right? Uh, I've seen a lot of times where people will open restaurants where they have like a, a sneak peek opening or whatever, where they only invite certain people uh, at the sneak peek. And that's a great opportunity to hire, like maybe some photographers, maybe hire a, a, somebody who lo does a, a local publication, like a local newspaper to come in, you know, like a food critic to come in and review uh, the restaurant have like a food blogger that's very popular, has a lot of followers, have invite them because you're trying to create a buzz, right? If there's a local celebrity, bring them in so they can like tweet and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, all the, you know, the different entrees and foods that's coming out or whatever, you know, feel free to buy a little bit of entertainment, you know, like a local band. But keep in mind, like I said, you need to have that music licensing in place or certification in place so that way you can legally play that uh, that music or whatever unless uh, like I said unless they have like original art pieces or whatever that they do original works that they have this that, and the other right but you you're, what you're trying to do is create that buzz right so maybe you have a sneak preview you know in order to do that or maybe you just go ahead and open the doors and you have a grand opening where you you do all those things later on right you know so you have like the pomp and circumstance ribbon cutting you know, bring in photographers, this, that, and the other, right? You know, so you can have a grand opening that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be the very first day you open, but you don't want it to have it like a year after the fact, right? Like that, like you've pretty much, everybody, for the most part, pretty much know who you are, right? It's not a, a big bang. So make sure you kind of have a grand open. So that way you're attracting customers. You're bringing in a new ambiance. You're letting people know, hey, we're here, what you're all about. And you really create this really good sense of excitement because you want people to be excited about your restaurant, okay? Make sure you place ads, you know, do some marketing, uh, you know, place ads in high traffic areas like, um, you know, like your grocery stores or this, that, and the other. And that brings me to another point that I mentioned uh, before the break about a lot of reasons why restaurants fail. Uh, try to see when you're thinking about opening your restaurant in a in an area, try to see if it's in a, make sure it's in a high traffic area. Like if you can get it next to a grocery store or something like that, if you can get it close to a place that people have to go every single time, make sure you do that because you want to have other businesses or other things around your restaurant kind of do the work for you, right? Let's say you go into Kroger and then your restaurant next door to Kroger, like, huh, okay, I see that seems like a cool restaurant. You know, one of these days I'm going to go try it out. And so people will come back and try it out. So uh, make sure you do some of that work. But also, like I said, attracting customers, make sure you do some traditional ads, marketing, uh, you know, maybe have a food blog yourself or whatever, right? That also lets people know that, you know, what you know what you're talking about, that you're credible in the food space, this, that, and the other. Also, offer free stuff. Like, look, I get it. You know, you need every dollar you can, right? 
But, you know, offer one of those items, not an entree, but offer one of those items that it doesn't cost a lot to, you know, to mass produce or make, right? So maybe a free dessert, maybe a free appetizer, maybe a free drink, maybe even a free beer, right? But don't give out like a free entree, right? Like, you know, or maybe if you're going to give out a free entree, and make it like a really big competition to where, yeah, you're giving away a free entree and you're not going to get any money for that, but you've created such a huge buzz that that free entree is going to pay for itself, okay? So, you know, make sure you offer those type of incentives on social media in the area, this, that, and the other. Also, you know, and this goes without saying, not just in a restaurant, but any business, but make sure you have a really catchy, really good logo and make sure that that logo matches the kind of atmosphere and the kind of culture and ambience that you want to create, right? You know, if you're uh, going to be upscale, this, that, and the other, make sure your logo maybe is like in cursive or some type of upscale type of fun if you will right and it has like the top proper lighting if you will right but if you're like a happy go lucky you know you know type of restaurant make sure that you have bright colors and it and your logo speaks of fun and and exuberance and you know being happy and fun and it makes you feel good right be mindful of that and so after a while you you follow all these steps that we just talked about and then your uh, your restaurant is up and humming and running and it's going this any other you want to keep the thing going, right? So make sure after a while you do like, you know, you keep doing your opening procedures and this and the other. But also after a while, make sure you get all your legal matters in place, right? Make sure your LLC is taken care of. You're paying your payroll taxes. You're paying your business taxes and income taxes and you're, and you're paying your staff on time and you're taking and you're making sure you, you acknowledge customer feedback as well. Also, make sure you like I said, you're keeping the ship afloat. Make sure your accounting is in place. Once again, uh, either, you know, learn how to do the books yourself, hire an accountant or hire a, in a very advanced point of sale system that does the accounting uh, automatically for you as you print up receipts for your customers. Right. It, it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Maybe it doesn't pay for, it doesn't get extra customers in the door, but it will buy you peace of mind, okay? So if, you know, make sure your books are in place, make sure you're doing that part to make sure your accounting is up to snuff. And hey, like I said, let's say you're doing well and you're ready to expand, right? And you and you want to go to the bank or go to another investor as far as like getting another round of funding. Those numbers are going to be vital. That, that balance sheet, that P&L sheet, you know, that cat, the cash flow, uh, in, that cash flow statement, they're going to come in handy in order for you to get that funding because they want to see those financials. Be mindful of that. You know, also listen to customer feedback. I know I mentioned this earlier, but I want to dive into it a little bit. Make sure you're asking for feedback. Make sure you're asking people to review you on Facebook. Make sure people are viewing you on Yelp. And if it's one of those things where you get ever so often you get a bad review, but most of the other reviews are, are really good, that's okay. Do not change every single thing for one review. If if you get 10 reviews and only one is bad, just say, hey, you know, we'll look into improving that process and move forward from there. But do not totally change the ship for that one review because you're going to piss off the other nine people who rated you as really good. So be mindful of that. Listen to the feedback, acknowledge that there's any issues and say, hey, well, you know, we're, we're always looking to improve our process and our in our customer service and this and the other. This is very good feedback for us to take into the future. Thank you so much for it. Hey, have a free appetizer when you come back. Boom. Problem solved. And nine times out of 10, that person is going to give you an excellent review on Yelp. And if I don't, I don't know much about Yelp, but uh, if you can change it, they'll probably change. Or at the very least, 
they'll you know write something good later on down the road. So be mindful of that. But not just customer feedback, but also listen to employee feedback as well. They're, the thing is, they are your boots on the ground, especially your servers. Okay, they are your boots on the ground. So make sure you are listening to what you're what they're seeing out there, what they're hearing out there, right? You know, some of the processes that they're going through that they may need to improve on it. And also be mindful, like don't have like a um a kind of a sit down chat, if you will. And, and this is a great example of how you can use things from other industries into your industry. I remember reading the book uh, about the uh founders of Pixar where they would have like this meeting ever so often to where they would bring in people not just from the the board and the executive team but also the people at the very bottom of the totem pole or the food chain if you will right and they all sit in the room and in that room for for maybe like say two hours everybody has equal saying everybody has a place to like prom not necessarily promote but also to discuss things they see this and the other and nobody is in fear of getting in trouble for it, right? So do that with your servers. Make sure you have like a meeting every so often. Like, hey, look, no matter what you say, I'm not firing you. This, this, and the other. If it goes against what I want to do, this, that, you know, that's fine. I'll explain what my logic was. But if you say we can do it better, you know, maybe we'll try it. Maybe we won't. But, you know, be mindful of that. And your servers and your employees will respect you for that. They'll understand that that what they think matters. And also they'll feel a little bit more invested. And also they will relate to their work and they're going to go a little bit harder for you as the restaurant owner. OK, so here's my final take. Opening a restaurant is hard. Starting a business in itself is hard, but opening a restaurant is really hard. But when you really think about it and you write that business plan and you take the proper steps and you think about how it's a nickel and dime business and that how your entrees aren't what make you the most money. But it's like the things like your soft drinks and your beer and your appetizers and your desserts and, you know, your bread, if you sell bread or whatever, you know, the case may be. Right. Because the crazy thing is like you, you want to know why fast food restaurants offer free refills because the cup itself that it sits in costs more than the drink so like the cup probably costs the business maybe 15 to 18 cents right and so the every time you know they bought and they've bought the the soda like by the bags if you will you know what i'm talking about they buy the soda like the coke pepsi sprite whatever the case may be they buy it by the bags right and so every time you fill up that cup that's only about you know based on what they pay for it it's only about three cents of soda even if it's a large right so it would take you what three times five, like five times if the cup is 15 cents, it would take you five times to equal the amount of the cup, right? So you take that math and now think about as a consumer, if you paid $1.29, $1.59, $2.29 for that cup, now think about how many times you'd have to refill as a consumer just to get your money's worth, right? But the thing is, most restaurant owners know that nine times out of 10, you're not going to go refill that cup more than maybe twice. So that's where that profit comes in, right? So that goes to show the economies of scale to how that work. But understanding that type of math and understanding that type of, you know, nickel and dime business will allow you to run the business right. It will allow you to run that restaurant right because you understand that, you know, all those type of all those small numbers matter, which is why you need an accountant or you hire the point of sale system. Pay pay the nine hundred dollars for the for the for the upscale point of sale system. So that way it keeps your accounting in place. And I believe that if you do all these steps that we talked about in this episode, you will start a restaurant and you will start it on a really 
good foot. So that's going to do it for this episode of The Startup Life. I hope for my aspiring restaurateurs that you got some excellent value from this episode. Like I said, I thought it was important to really start implementing episodes that are uh, uh, really focused on a particular industry because I know people want to start you know, businesses in a particular industry. And so I myself am not a restaurateur, but uh, as, as a moderator of the startup life, I make it a point to research things that people talk about and then try to teach that to you, Startup Nation. And I really hope that you got great value once again from how to start a restaurant. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or would like to advertise on our show, send us an email using the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life.